Welcome everyone to the Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Twinsies. The Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek for the Marvels is brought to you by the Cosmorod. It's a Cree thing you wouldn't understand. As we make our way across the multiverse of story options before diving into this film, Pete, let's discuss some other things first. want to mention yesterday, Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4 was discussed. Our last Star Trek Sunday of the year tier. Yes, until they give us a date in 2024 for Star Trek Discovery Final season five uh so yeah waiting on that bat kind of like we'll be waiting forever for kevin feige's star wars pete we will be discussing some great things from this film shortly it's not all gloom and doom but stick with us folks this past week feige's bad week not only the marvel's financial situation which we'll talk about momentarily but feige also admitting to entertainment weekly a daily website of news uh that his star wars idea which was being written by writer michael waldron it's all it's all gone away pete it's been dusted i guess it did not meet that high bar that Star Wars does seem to set because Star Wars has canceled a bunch of stuff. And generally speaking, we usually say it's good to cancel the things that might not be great. You're always going to cast a wider net than you pull in. If the record-breaking head of Marvel Studios has a Star Wars idea, you listen to it. Uh, We don't know particulars. I'm sure there was merit. Not everything blossoms into fruition. And what do you know? The guy who's run Marvel Studios will continue to busy himself with Marvel Studios in a time where maybe he needs to be all about Marvel Studios right now. Maybe, Matt, we're going to look back at all of this, you know, perceived wobbliness and, and that'll be the pinch point oh somebody took a meeting on star wars and had an idea and then got fully back into marvel and avengers kang dynasty is buffo now uh, you mean pete like they fired victoria alonso for not being all in on her part of marvel but kevin feige had time to think about star wars but oh. i Huh, different standards. Yeah, huh. That's interesting, Matt. That's interesting. We'll talk about that a lot today. Uh, speaking of slightly differing standards as well, uh, the actor strike resolved the day after the Marvels had its premiere. Pete, so many, so many people in media feel that the reason there was a box office failure for this film was because people from the film couldn't talk to people in media. Um, go on late night TV, right? Like that's, that is the thing. Some little girl somewhere didn't see, uh, Amon Vellani on Jimmy Kimmel 
and and therefore didn't go. I mean, listen, it it helps when they can promote their work. That's undeniable. But can we slow that down just a little bit, please? Uh, we also, in the future, will be discussing the Loki season two or series finale on our final Marvel Studios Saturday for the Loki run. Um, certainly it was interesting to have uh, the Loki, for now we'll say Pete, the Loki season two finale dropped the same night as Marvel's uh, previews started, Marvel's you know early showings and so forth. Seems like some weird coordination, particularly in a strike where you can't have Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson on Jimmy Kimmel the same night to promo things and all of that. Right. Like who, who scheduled that? All you needed to do was look and be like, do we want the finale of the show for the season, possibly for the series to air the same night that we're uh, previewing the film on a Thursday was a little and i thought too like they might um unlock loki earlier in the day rather than stick to the 6 p.m um you know uh pacific drop but yeah that was a strange confluence as well and i i think you can look in retrospect yeah it it hurt that night they only took in 6.6 million which was a low for the previews like a lot of lows you're going to walk us through right now. Yeah, and maybe this now about to be the low point of our uh, of our discussion. Uh, so here goes for the financials. Uh, for the three days, the three days of its weekend release, of course, that now includes all the Thursday numbers. Uh, the total take in the United States, $46.1 million. Internationally, another $62.9 million. A total worldwide opening weekend of less than $110 million. This is nothing short of a financial disaster. This movie will not see profitability. There's just there's just no way. Um, it's 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 the worst part of the bad news out of here. Um, you want to subjectively say some people liked it, some people didn't. You want to have the the constant and repetitive Twitter fight of, you know, people who saw it, enjoyed it, and look here, people who didn't see it, who have an axe to grind, all of that. Uh, there's a certain level of subjectivity, but just, you know, whether it's superhero fatigue, whether it is Disney Plus feeder shows not feeding, whether it is too long since the original came out, um, whether it whether it is other factors, I mean, this is you know, abject financial failure of this film. Can we talk about why this movie cost $200 million though? I think that might be a bigger part of this perception than anything else. Um, You're spending a lot of money on it and you mentioned the profitability and yes, Brie Larson and Samuel L. Jackson cost money. And rightfully so. But I gotta believe there was a way to not make this movie cost so much. And then you add the promotion on top of it, the advertising, all of that. And just to look at this list, Matt, so it it falls beneath 
The Incredible Hulk in 2008 at $55.4 million, and Ant-Man in uh, 2015 at 57.2. Interestingly enough, the fourth lowest grossing movie is the initial Captain America movie at 65 million. And then you've got the first Thor movie at 65.7. So, you know, there are solid movies here and we're going to talk about our impressions of the film. And I think we're both, you know, I'm not spoiling anything by saying we're both pretty positive on this film. The money picture's not good. Um, And you hit the nail on the head People who have seen this like it. People who have not watched this, who have very strong opinions about it, okay, don't like it or don't want you to like it or had a vested interest in you not liking it for their YouTube, uh, please monetize my post purposes. Uh, Nia DaCosta here, who was a get as a director, okay, with this $47 million uh, domestic opening with this international opening. She becomes uh, the uh, one, she's the youngest Marvel director. Two, she's the most successful opening weekend uh, black woman to direct a film. Okay. These are, these are benchmarks and she's going to continue to work and rightfully so. Uh, the film is fast you said it. There's not an ounce of fat on it. Okay. I'm wondering if word of mouth, I'm wondering if they could maybe equal their numbers and have a very, very low week to week drop. Um, and maybe they get some legs out of this. This is not a crowded, um, holiday release season. Um, And I think it'll be in play with some of the other things that are going to be out there. Um, But it's by no stretch of the imagination, the narrative uh, bomb that was heralded, foretold, hoped for by a lot of um, angry, uh, disappointed men. As to your question regarding why did this cost $200 million? I think that I suspect that the answer is because they made it like a Marvel movie, which is shoot a bunch of stuff that isn't ready and emergency, you know, if there's stuff that needs to be fixed, you go and do it in reshoots. Um, this movie was, had a public preview tryout in the summer, which Marvel has never done before. That tells you that they had concerns with the movie they had at the time. Um, that then informs yeah, but the reshoots. Can I talk about that for a minute? Because a lot of the things that came out of that remained in the movie, though people are like, oh my God, this has been cut and this is this is unsuccessful. Like the whole thing with Aladna, people are like, oh, they're going to take that out of the movie. That'll never make it. And it's there. I even read reports it's been taken out and it's still there. So I, I think the behind the scenes stuff. And you got to wonder, is there some sour grapes, some stuff being fed behind the scenes as well? I just think that, I think that the, the, the lucky run that Marvel has had, and I do want to emphasize like the luck end of it, where they've come up with great endings at the last minute and things like that. 
for for a bunch of projects recently it's it's fallen apart a bit um so i think i think there's that issue there and, and to me it just i do scratch my head a little bit that the first captain marvel movie cost 160 million dollars and was longer and now this one is 40 it's million billion dollars yeah okay and then you had accusations then that Disney was buying up entire theaters. You had uh, blind attribution on quotes, anonymity of, oh, this, this is happening and Disney's doing that. And, well, if they did it then, Matt, uh, where was it now? Because they didn't do it then. Um, and then I know what you're going to say, and we've already talked about this. Oh, they let it happen this time because they get caught. They got caught. Uh, no, they didn't. Okay. Also, this is a very different film-going environment post-pandemic than before. Um, that's where maybe getting the costs under control across all of these studios is going to be even more important now um, rather than, uh, oh, let's just spend and spend and spend and spend. As for your point about will the film have legs, look, it certainly is possible, and I don't want to be a downer in that regard, but what if I told you, Pete, that Disney has already trained us to not go to the movies too many times because what can we look forward to, given the box office of this, what can we look forward to circa January 15th to September 5th, uh, to February 15th, the Disney Plus debut of it, so if you're on the fence about going, well... Shoot, you're about one week into the 10 or 11 or 12 week theatrical run that this thing is going to have, and then it's going to hit your Disney Plus. So, why make the effort? You know, this is what happens when it's not lightning in a bottle and it's not a race from the starting line. You just kind of go, yeah, I was a little busy anyway. Thanksgiving's a coming. Before I know it, it's going to be some some cold January day and it's going to hit Disney Plus, and I'll, I'll enjoy it then in my PJs. There's so much to dissect here beyond just this movie. Uh, Matt and I have put our heads together. We're going to be bringing you this coming Sunday, November 19th, the state of the MCU, a special podcast here. Uh, So you want to get us your feelings for how it is right now. Get us those by uh, Sunday morning. Uh, November 19th, and we will be bringing that to you. But without further ado, Matt, let's catch you up on what went down. So, Miss DaCosta, the youngest MCU director yet, Matt, who, after the variety piece that's shown quite a few cracks in the two weeks since it's come out, did not leave production to go work on her Tessa Thompson film. Yes, Nia DaCosta said that. It is fairly normal Marvel practice not to have, not to need directors this close to the release because they've they've done their thing. So I think that there was a little bit of Disney, Marvel, Nia DaCosta all having their cake and eating it too in that she had not left throwing her hands up and said, J'accuse, I'm now going to make the real art. Nor did nor did Marvel say, 
yeah, sorry, your key doesn't work here anymore. Here's a banker's box with all your bibs and bobs. It kind of the director's involvement does dwindle as time goes on in the course of making a Marvel movie, but but that's how that goes sometimes. And we begin the film here not with our titular characters, but obviously with the villain here, with uh, Zoe Ashton. That's Tom Hiddleston's girlfriend, Matt, longtime girlfriend, as Cree Supremor Darben, acquiring the other bangle, the other quantum band uh, scene with Kamala Khan in Ms. Marvel. A nice tie-in. I think, Pete, they were expecting Ms. Marvel to have been a bigger show, so immediately people said, look, it's the other band. However, it works here, particularly because we then lead into Kamala Khan's reshot, introduction, her her place in the MCU, some recap of her situation, her fandom, her headspace, her locale, uh, and, and things of that sort, and the, the big screen debut of Amon Vellani. So much was made. Oh, you must watch WandaVision and Ms. Marvel in order to watch this film. You don't need to. It's value added because now excited people who have seen this and I've yet to talk to somebody who's not like liked it. Uh, can go back and watch those things. In fact, I've seen quite a bit of discussion like, you know, I started Ms. Marvel and I like this movie. I'm going to go back and watch the rest. Or, you know, I really like this kid. Oh, there's more of her. There's a whole show on Disney Plus. I'm going to go and watch that. But so much made about a month approximately of reshoots. And what did it yield? Oh, here's Kamala sitting at her desk echoing what happened in the end of her show uh, the piece of which where uh, carol danvers swaps with her is there but around the uh, the comic book style introduction with the animation there which is a nice nod to the fact that amon Vellani's since been welcomed into marvel publishing and is now working uh, with their comic division uh, you can see it a little bit because one moment she's in civvies and the next she's in her costume falling onto the bed, which was in the show. And even then they re-edited some of this stuff. You know, Brie Larson comes out of the uh, the closet, uh, looks around the room on the, the movie. That doesn't happen on the show. Uh, it's a longer take that goes on in the movie and then they cut it because on the show she says no 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 and then that's the end of it so can we again maybe back off that they spent so much time in reshoots because they didn't have proper introduction to the characters uh it still came across people still somehow understood the film uh we end up meeting up with Nick Fury at the Sabre station. And I was like, I remember that elevator. That's the elevator that, <laughs> that gave me sweet release at the end of Secret Invasion and finally, finally, finally released me from its clammy grasp. 
Um, yeah, listen, I mean, can we can we point the finger at the real enemy so far in the MCU? It's Secret Invasion, man. Okay? It's not this movie. And even, Pete, if I'm if I may derail the Ms. Marvel, or pardon me, the the, the Marvels discussion for a moment here, uh, with the Tom Holland Spider Man movies getting on Disney Plus recently, and I was like, Oh hey, uh Far From Home. Been a while since I've seen that. You definitely want to you know, do a rewatch, what a fun movie, and I was like Oh, of course there's that secret scene at the end that really only makes sense if you then watch Secret Invasion because it sets up Secret Invasion. <laughs> you know, well, they're not all Secret Invasion set up this, so at least some good came of it, right? Sure. Right. <laughs> uh, we have introduced soon enough this entanglement uh, plot device here. It is a great tool. I mean, look, we're... What was some of the criticism? If you think of some of the 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 DCEU stuff with they team up too fast or they team up too slow or pacing and so on and so forth, we know the goal Except of the Marvels of Bruce Wayne riding over mountains in the Snyder cut. Listen, I just wish that somebody showed us why why Bruce Wayne is the Batman. Will they ever put on film this central? thing which propelled him perhaps show it to us for once um but in the marvels if you're going to get the marvels teaming up uh, let's let's get a move on on that we kind of understand the particulars um unlike some elements of whether it's dc or just non-comic book sci-fi stuff the ability that you have a thing and there's an energy and a this and a that and now that's going to have a zip zap zoop quickly that's a good story tool. It's a good story tool. It allows Carol and uh, Kamala to meet. Uh, it forces Monica to process some of these issues, which you know maybe you could see some evidence if there was if there was if they stitched up a ragged edge in this story. And I think that you need to be hard pressed to find the ragged edges in this story because they have tightened things up considerably. You know the fact that there is not the story time to process the absence of Auntie Carol and all of that stuff that just kind of has now happened behind the scenes. That's a fair criticism. But again, I think the movie does a good job kind of hiding the roughness of that. That we can give Kamala the opportunity to have the hero worship and, you know, wait, Captain Marvel was in my home, but I got sent someplace else that we can confront what Monica's, gone through never having seen carol danvers her auntie uh since the mid 90s when she went away okay and then all of this done around uh getting the Khan family a far wider audience than they had on disney plus um everybody recognizing I mean, maybe the the second cutest thing in the film, other than the handling of Kamala Khan. Okay, how great this family is as a unit, and you know uh, the the actors, and then their poor home just gets destroyed. It's great that they gave the cons so much. I would be interested, um, and not out of a like a a morbid autopsy sense. How did this movie come to be? I would just be interested to know, were there more cons added to fix story problems? Because I think that 
um, Kamala is the most... Kamala is the one who can be we the audience. And by extension, you know, things like, but mom says I can't go out or my parents are going to kill me. You know, things like that add such an accessibility to the film. Or maybe that was obvious from the get-go. I don't know. But I in no way was prepared for mom and dad and brother to be in as many scenes as they were and in such a critical way and oftentimes, you know, up in space and here and there and with, with so many of the cast members sharing the screen with them. We had the great fortune uh, the week that Ms. Marvel came out to go to the Paley Center in New York City and to be there with Amalani, who is the character. And, you know, now to get this worldwide exposure um, and to be as front and center as she is in this franchise um, now on the film end and you know, she's a massive fan. Uh, she's a live wire. Um, she's everything that you get in this film. It doesn't seem like acting per se, Matt, but, you know, when they rush off for the first real emergency, other than their entanglement, we go to the, uh, the planet of Tarnax, which has a, uh, long-standing history in uh, Marvel Comics, where there's an attack here by Darben on the Skrull refugees, and it's the first time that Kamala, working with other superheroes, sees that there's a cost. I mean, she's gone through this personally now, the hero of Jersey City, but before it was just her and powers and in a supporting role here, she sees that you can't always save everybody. It's a real coming of age moment. As if Marvel wasn't already in a bit of a bad luck rut here. Uh, of course, this movie comes out amidst a global discussion on uh, how you treat refugees versus their perceived threat, et cetera, et cetera. So of course, of course, this is the movie about refugees. Now is the, the time and place. I know we've had it, had a bit before see Thor and others. Um, but this is a fun scene here. I mean, I, I, I jest a little bit. Uh, obviously this movie was not made in connection to any real world events, but um, the fun here of, the hero trying to save the day. Now different heroes are being swapped in and so forth. It's it's achieving multiple story goals. We're able to see the power the powers of the Marvels in action and so forth. And um, you know, nice sunshiny action set piece. Uh, a little bit of kind of the price paid. You know, like we can't save everyone. You go, oh, the price of heroism and all that. Uh, this is a solid scene. And then it leads to Kree Emperor Drogue here uh, with the refugees they're able to escape with, not all of them, uh, after the atmosphere has been uh, sucked away to Hala uh, and uh, Valkyrie in a cameo here, one that I was surprised Matt knew about. Um swooping in to help with uh, the refugees. I happened to see casual reference, I think on deadline as to the Valkyrie cameo. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like that's an okay secret scene. 
that'll do, I guess. And then here we are a third into the movie and Valkyrie shows up. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, all right, I guess that's the coolest surprise to happen in this movie. Uh, more on that later. Uh, because spoiler alert, Pete, I don't even, I don't think you know how much I enjoyed the very end of this movie. I knew and I was so worried it was going to be spoiled for you, not by me, um, but for uh, several days. I mean, the whole scene is out there. Um, so, yeah, I was shocked you had somehow been able to avoid that one. But to leave Tarnax, we get the sequence when they go off uh, once the refugees head on their way there in uh, Carol Danvers' ship where they train together, where they're really trying to get the entanglement down when they use their powers and swapping. I love the use of the, the jump rope and, you know, here, catch the ball. And the idea of, uh, you know, using teamwork of becoming a team. Yeah, it it also it does everything it needs to do is it is perhaps not you know a reflection on a decade of teamwork nor is it kind of you know a discussion about an aspirational existence that does not exist for this population or that population both of which have been done very very well by marvel don't get me wrong but it's kind of a reminder that like look we can have a training montage where people work together using the simple uh, visual tool of bounce the ball and catch the ball and so forth. And by the end of it, Pete, they're a better team than they were beforehand. Mission accomplished. And deft use as well from the previous story with the scroll uh, memory device to go back and to look at exposition of uh, backstories, particularly using what happened with Monica that was revealed in WandaVision, how uh, she had been dusted, how her mother passed away, and even throwing in uh, the the scene there with uh, Lashana Lynch. And you're like, oh, all right, we've got her for a movie. We're not going to see her again. They just did one here. She talked to her uh, before she passed away. Look, she's got gray hair. A little bit of a red oh, it's, herring. It's nice they were able to bring her back one more time, Pete. <laughs> yeah, that, one that, more time. I mean, that, that's, <laughs> what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm as we're wa- as we're watching it. It's like, oh, they were right. They get to have one more Lashana Lynch scene before her character dies of the cancer. R.I.P. Mom. Um, how nice, you know. Obviously, we'll 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 circle back to that. Not necessarily being the truth, but. Um, here, Pete, I would like to offer a proposition. If in the Ms. Marvel um, montage, catch me up and so forth, we've used footage from the prior Ms. Marvel adventure, her series, if ditto for Monica Rambeau and some scenes from WandaVision, I genuinely wonder this reveal that part of the reason Carol Danvers has stayed away is because she was the annihilator of the Kree Supreme Intelligence that the big bad from the first film has now been dealt with, and we're seeing some footage of that and so forth. I wondered, was there an edit of this movie? Was this $200 million movie? Because maybe we opened with not the 30 seconds or two minutes or three minutes of 
this attack? Was it maybe, you know, 30 years ago and we get, you know, was this maybe a 5, 10, 15, 20 minute opening to the movie to fully give us the Carol Danvers catch me up uh, before introducing the other two characters? You know, are we seeing footage from the Marvels, the movie that didn't quite come together? I mean, it's certainly a possibility to go with that chronological take. It's best served here. It fits. You've got the conflicting motivation. Uh, you know, Monica does not want to relieve these memories. Um, and then they're sharing these together. So uh, it, it's effective. Um, and it's a way to eat your story vegetables. We move to Aladna with the story conceit that they speak in song language, which I just found to be goofy and delightful. It is kind of weird that um, in the la- since the summer uh, between Star Trek Stranger Worlds, which you and I watch in podcast, between... Only Murders in the Building, which I watch and and enjoy as a civilian, and now our latest Marvel movie, people are just bra- yeah. It's it's the it's the show the the story colon the musical. Sure, I'm here for it for the summer slash fall slash early winter of song. Uh, let's bring it on, particularly this marriage of convenience to Prince Jan, and it, it was look it was flashy choreography, fun song great costumes, enthusiastic performances, fun makeup, you know, it's it's win win win. It's having fun at the movies. The the outfits in particular and people have been very critical, Matt. And again, you you don't tend to see it with all the other movies. You just see it in this one. Uh that people are so critical of aspects of it. Um but there were people that were pointing out things about the uh, costumes of our titular characters and uh, these costumes that are made for them by people of another civilization, um, their interpretations, they're uh, not lesser. They're, they're just different. Um, I like the, the gown they even made for uh, Carol was kind of cool to see the the same, you know, imagery, but done a little bit differently. Um, and then, of course, the prince runs the society, so when he doesn't want to sing, he doesn't have to sing. Uh, all this stuff tracks, all of it moves the story forward and sets up the uh, attack there. This planet, I think, what do they say, Matt? 99.9% water. Uh, and now they come around, Darben does, oh, uh, Hala is not just uh, gasping for air, it's also thirsty, and they steal the water. Yeah, and you referenced having our story vegetables earlier. Oh, hey, we're halfway through the movie, and this is, you know, I don't want to say buried in the rear, uh, woven into this story. Oh, there's like, you know, use your natural resources well, okay, cool. Like I got it. It's not it's not you know, Marvel Studios presents the environmentalist movie. It's just it's just there. Okay, got it. Use your stuff well. A la, you know, Lex Luthor and uh Sinking California and things like that. Like it's a this is a good 
perhaps not great, but this is a good story tool here. It, it, it works. It's at about this time in the story that some of the techs on the Saber installation begin to find uh, these eggs. And at first, we don't know what they are. And ultimately, through uh, you know the assistance of the cons, realize these are flurkin eggs in what, for my money, was worth the price of admission alone where we have to evacuate the station and we have to do it by letting the Florkins eat the crew there. Uh, and whoever came up with the pitch of, Hey, let's do this. Let's have the announcement over the, the PA. Uh, it's okay. Let the Florkins eat you. You will be all right with memories from cats uh, being played needs a raise pete i would like to propose that perhaps superhero fatigue is not a thing perhaps uh some of the audience the crybaby audience feeling marginalized is not a thing perhaps lack of promotion from the stars is not a thing is it possible that movies that use songs from cats are just destined to bomb i'm looking at you cats 2019 with 27 million dollars domestic 48 international 75.5 million total and truly a movie that is torturous to watch and a complete disaster on every front is it just if the Taylor case of death Swift could salvage that i mean was it beyond saving um pete i heard some people some some young youngins today i think jokingly perhaps not uh proposing that Taylor Swift, president of the United States in the 2040s, um, is is capable of many, many great things. So yes, perhaps Cats is the great uh, unredeemable, although here, as you say, Pete, just used, I mean, you are a fun-loving person, but those were belly laughs that you had as, as the f extended Flurkin montage went on. I mean, and the one woman's hiding behind the bulkhead, and it's like, oh, you made it, you made it. And the, the point of view is clearly there's going to be one behind her. And then, you know, full disclosure, I'm a dog person, okay? Uh, you're going to have cats, that's fine, and I can recognize the cuteness of, a, of an animal for sure. But I, I think it's, it's Crips and Bloods, right? It's dogs and cats. Um, but I can appreciate the cuteness of a kitty and she turns around there and just the horror that is sold that it's <laughs> the tiniest kitten there ever that is going to reach out with the tentacles from its, you know, voluminous inside and, and swallow her, even though she's been assured by her bosses, by a dude over a loudspeaker that it's okay is brilliant and building up to that, um, Narratively, Matt, I would argue the big final conflict, um, it's a little anticlimactic. Okay, Carol puts it together. They went after Tarnax. They went after Aladna. Wait, this is about me. They're going after civilizations I'm connected to. So now they're going to siphon off the sun as silly and you know, over the top as, as that seems to be. Uh, but it would seem that that 
conflict was just a little too quick leading up to Monica's sacrifice? Again, I think that you don't need to be down on this movie to see where the very apt stitches may be. And I think that the line, they're going after everyone that I've ever loved or whatever the exact line is. I think that maybe that's in reference. Look, I'm not saying that that's misused here. um, But I think that maybe that is in reference to a version of the story that we didn't see. I mean, I get it. Fine. She's married to the prince. So therefore, that's where Darben goes to get the water. Again, I just feel like there's something where where at some point there's going to be the, and maybe not because I feel like Disney prevents leaks pretty well, but there's going to be like, here's the five page, uh, you know, story document from two years ago. And we're going to go, oh, that's because like whatever it is, we're going to go, that's how it was more connected to her or things of that sort. But yeah, we have the the razzle-dazzle of Earth's sun now dimming in the the, the human sky, um, the notion that there's this, there's this tear into another reality. I think that everyone in the theater could tell, oh, this is going to be, this is a one-way trip, um, even though uh, Captain Marvel and Ms. Marvel are acting like it's not. Pete, maybe in a different version of the script, you would have gotten Monica officially getting a name, because if you want to talk about... Um, some loose threads that have been stitched away. We have in the first third of the movie, what nickname should we give Monica? We have in the middle. We're, st- we're still working on nicknames. Then in the end, she didn't get a nickname. She didn't get anything. Um, again, maybe that's a cutting room floor thing as well. But to build it to this moment where she knows the whole time she's going to go and she gets sealed on the other side And then, you know, remembering this is a Captain Marvel sequel, um, you know, the promise that she makes to a dying Darben here that she's going to go, that she could use her power. She's never done it before, but she could, in theory, reignite Hala's son, which she does, which argue here is the true end of the film. Uh, before we have something that was at one point a credit scene that now ends the film. Look, the greatest risk to Marvel Studios, I think, is not even bad story. It is, and I'd like to create a, a, a verb here, it is the risk of shang chi characters, which is to say, don't come up with something cool and not have a plan to continue it. For example, why haven't we seen more of Shang-Chi? Because no one had a problem with that movie. I don't even, I don't have its box office in front of me. Certainly did better than the Marvels, did better in uh, more dire box office situation, COVID, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there is belief that he is in Captain America 4. No time like the present, and that's why when we got this first post credit scene or mid credit scene rather um i'm like uh i'm like hey that looks like that looks like that haley steinfeld from the disney plus show uh that, like, that looks like the outfit that she had oh wait it is and i was like oh 
maybe hashtag it is all connected. Here it is, Haley Steinfeld's second best Marvel role now being revisited and so forth. Um, <laughs> a little cut close to the cloth where like, I guess it's now public knowledge, like the Nick Fury Avengers Initiative speech, I guess is now public knowledge, but if it, okay, that works for me. Um, and this notion that, that uh, Kamala is recruiting. Um, I'm a fan of this. Let's just do something with it. Let's not wait until it's like, you know, Stranger Things season five when they're like, yeah, now I have to get a divorce. And oh, <laughs> I think I'm going to get some of those pills to help out. You know, like we need to let's do something with this sooner than not. Now that we've chosen, chosen to do a post credit scene and keep it in the movie, let's do something with it. Well, it really writes itself to have Kamala Khan build the team um, and to mimic the, the grand daddy, not the original, but the best post-credit scene of all time in terms of impact, right? The Avengers initiative and to do this now to, to formally start the path for the young Avengers. Okay. Kate Bishop, Kamala Khan, references made to Cassie Lang to Ant-Man's daughter other characters out there something that I would imagine Matt by a d23 it'll either be a film or a Disney plus series what have you but now this is officially in the offing and it's time it's time um so glad they went there uh, but Matt still didn't know what was coming in the middle of the credits. Yeah, to see, no big surprise, Monica has made it to the other side and is going to be brought back to health or something. Okay, I'm a little confused when I see Lashana Lynch there, uh, and then, you know, reference made to some confusion happening, and then when you hear Kelsey Grammer's voice and when you see Beast... <laughs> I was genuine, like, look at this way. We saw this in a theater that, 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 had, that had okay attendance, you know, good attendance. It was better than you thought, Matt, admit it. Um, it was it was better than I thought. Um, I think that if this was a packed house, there would have, I mean, Pete, I think of the feeling of communion and community uh, that there was in Spider-Man Far From Home where you could hear the Andrew people cheering and the Toby people cheering and the Tom people cheering and everybody cheering all together at the end. Um, there, let me this way, Pete, it was only because nobody else was like, I, I was genuinely close to some sort of undignified squee. Like it was in my throat, ready to be like some kind of hoop and holler. Um, I don't mean to be in the position to say, hey, the body of the movie is made better by the thing that says the next movie is going to be great. Um, but wow. I mean, the best version of Beast possible. The notion, as we sit and wonder, as we had spoken a little bit, now should we do a podcast about the future of the MCU? And you read these articles, um, clearly poorly informed, saying... They're going to bring back Robert Downey Jr. and Scarlett Johansson. Or they're going to reboot so they can have Iron Man and, and this and that the other. Nope. This scene shows us the future. The future is already here. It's just one reality to the left and straight on till morning. And 
ready to come on over. The future has arrived. Chef's kiss. To bring Lashana Lynch back vital, but not as mom for Monica and the further conflict that's going to create for the character who's all alone in this alternate universe to do it in the character of binary from the comics, uh, now playing her second variant, um, after Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. And then, as you said, you know, if if you're going to reach for beast, you do it for Kelsey grammar. It's going to be fascinating to hear, you know, did they just do the voice? Did they do the motion capture? When exactly was it, it the was deal? digital, right? It did. I will say it looked digital. It did, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I only found out about this cameo, um, you know, a couple of days before. Um, and I was like, can I trust it even? That seems like a reach, but hey, he's got the reboot of Frasier. Would he would he go there again? Um, so yeah, I'm sure by the time we see the Marvel assembled, they'll they'll reference this. Um, but a best possible case in terms of doing this. And oh Matt, look, the guy who started his career with X-Men and Marvel at 20th Century Fox uh, didn't get a Star Wars off the ground, which used to be at 20th Century Fox as well, that's now at the larger conglomerate he works at. Um, But now he's bringing the X-Men back. I mean, maybe the only bigger surprise than this scene is the fact that Kamala, who has now been uh, called out as the first mutant in the MCU, doesn't get referenced as such in this film. Or conversely, if we're going to do the animated series music riff when she when mutation is mentioned, um, and we got that as well in Doctor Strange, is that right? Do I remember that correctly? Yes. When she, uh, so, like, it would have been like would, you see Beast. You should have gotten dun, 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 dun. and look. Maybe they maybe there was a version of that, and they're like, it's too over the top, or he's got five lines. We can't guitar riff over one of them. Um, but yeah, let's get a move on for the MCU's first mutant to meet the X Men. Let's do that sooner than not, and not say. Well, the audience waited 10 years to kill Thanos, so that means in 10 years' time we can do the Young Avengers, uh, you know, midlife edition. Like, let's just get a move on with all this stuff. Turn into the wind, figure out what is good, figure out what's next, let's go. The Dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Not a lot here, Matt, but we'll start with Darben. Uh... I dug it. I dug the idea here. Uh, She was there when uh, Carol came back to take out the Kree Supreme Intelligence. She was in the Kree Star Force, the same as Carol had been. Um, No real reference to whether they had ever worked alongside one another. I'm sure she was always just out of frame. 
Um, but she saw it happen and she has this motivation established. Um, I think for what she is, I've seen a lot of people, oh, she's she's one note. She is what she needs to be. This this doesn't cry out this film for Loki. Okay. And even then that's, that's 14 years to arrive at that, uh, whole big turn of an arc. The common criticism for Marvel movies is, you know, the baddie is a bit of an afterthought. And I think it's one thing when it's Iron Man versus Iron Monger, right? But then to sit and say, we also need to go Carol Danvers, Ms. Marvel, Monica, now versus the baddie, and Nick Fury, now versus the baddie, and the cons. Um, so it's it's a necessity. And look, again, maybe there's a two-hour and 15-minute version of this movie where we have all the great Darben scenes and she says things like, I shall get my revenge, or she, she cradles a... A, a dying space puppy or something and says, I will get my revenge, you know, whatever it is. I think we were all happy that this is a movie that cooked at about a hundred minutes long. Um, we were all happy that the movie we saw was fun, was light and so forth. And I think that that comes at the expense of having a fully three dimensional, fully nuanced, fully understandable, you know, Jack Nicholson, Joker type of villain. Instead, we have somebody who wants to take things and the heroes stop her at the end. Well, let's talk the real villain, Matt. Let's talk the incel. I mean, look, people have a one note. People had a one note solution about why the success of the first, you know, why the success of Captain Marvel was not true or whatever they had cooked up. Um, and now, you know, there's the same biases brought here. It, it is worth considering from a neutral perspective, what is going, you know, wh what is not the issue with the MCU, what's the issue with the audience and the MCU? I celebrate the diversity in this film. I celebrate the move towards diversity that, that Marvel has taken um, it would break my heart if the solution is, well, as James Gunn reboots Disney or reboots DC, he's making it look like the original DC, you know, from the thirties. So dot, 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 which PS, I don't even know is that necessarily true. Fine. It's a white Superman and white Lois Lane. Jury is still out on all the other characters he's doing and, and all of that. But I just hope that in the panic, you know, as this movie is probably going to lose, you know, 150 to 200 million dollars. I hope that in that in the race to not have that happen again, I hope that that Disney and Marvel don't make worse story decisions because they think it's because they think they are safer story possessions. I've never understood hate watching something. I can watch something and laugh at it. I mean, my goodness, Matt, we have a whole uh, Inhumans podcast dedicated to that. And check it out, please, because it's on Disney Plus and you need a laugh. And uh, there's some empty weekends coming up. You might need to check that out. Um, but 
you know, for people to claim they've seen this and just get so bent out of shape, angry, or the glee with which they've discussed this film failing. I mean, Matt, have you seen what um, Stephen King's had to say about this? I did see, yeah, it was something like he doesn't watch Marvel movies, but there seems to be a lot of hate over this one. It was like, first of all, it was like, okay, you know, some people think Stephen King movies are trash too, you know, are disposable too. Um, right. So I don't know that, you know, there's a little of the pot calling the kettle black here. Um, but what was his exact quote? So he says he doesn't go to MCU movies, doesn't care for them, but he finds the barely mask gloating over the low box office of, for the Marvels very unpleasant. Why gloat over failure? And he followed up with another tweet here. Some of the rejection of the Marvels may be adolescent fanboy hate. You know, yuck, girls. And, you know, I think... A lot of insecure males are terrified of women laughing at them. And this film would seem to largely be a litmus test how you react to it without having seen it, whether you'd be interested or not. Like, oh, all right, these three characters going to get together. Oh, gosh, it's I mean, I don't even want to say the trite tired term they use for uh diversity and it, it it's just it's devoid of meaning um but you know i don't know how you could sit down and watch this film and the number of tweets and facebook responses we're about to read right now um seems to be the universal reaction um other than people who are attempting to eke out some sort of sad existence by hating on this and then begging a, a platform like YouTube to give them, you know, uh, a, a couple cents for every couple hits of, uh, you know, the counter there. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. So phase five here, Matt, deep into this multiverse saga. And uh, now uh, Fox X-Men. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, to have read in the last week or two, you know, you can separate the wheat from the chaff. You can separate what is a true whisper and what isn't. Uh, you know, oh, they're going to bring back Robert Downey Jr. at any price. Yeah, they don't need to. They don't need to with X-Men and I think to a lesser degree Fantastic Four. But um, if the concern, like all of these concerns, certainly financial in my mind, superhero fatigue and so on and so forth, I, I think there's a certain... Here's the good news. The X-Men have already experienced cinematic fatigue so when there is the grand marvel plan to have mcu x-men um i think it's going to go over really well because in a lot of people's eyes 
X-Men already, like, you know, like, they, they've already decayed in their second form, you know. Um, but there's, there's the solution right there. The multiverse is going to come in and save the day. Um, I would also say it, it, slightly similarly, I mean, in my mind, they're now committing to some sort of Young Avengers thing. Um, but we we have our way out of this of this issue i'll certainly talk this upcoming sunday why why i still think there are some major major concerns ahead but yeah the one way out is the x-men come in and save the day i mean we did get professor x previously in multiverse of madness but here to make it the the fox x-men other than one casting choice uh you know they're they're clearly in uh the the mansion okay you can see the the x door there okay uh there are other mutants there's even reference to charles um you know matt will it be sir patrick does he get a multi-picture deal um yeah what's it gonna be I think that they are moving, not even I think, clearly they're moving very slowly with X-Men. If they wanted to rush stuff into in, into into place, they could have. Uh, we'll see with Deadpool 3, maybe there's a faster pace than we know of it. I think that I would love to see Patrick Stewart return as Charles Xavier. I think there's a long-term uh problem with that in that he is older luckily he is healthy and vibrant and so forth but um i think that maybe if you're taking your time that's not a decision that needs to get made asap uh there are rumors he's in deadpool 3 and now pete i'll talk out of both sides of my mouth a patrick <laughs> stewart has he has played xavier for the final time so many times he may he may surpass Anthony Daniels and C-3PO at some point. Um, By all accounts, Deadpool 3 is shaping up to be what people thought um, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness would be in terms of the sheer amount of cameos. But, you know, whereas you had that kind of push open the door and now you're kicking it further open with this credit scene could have gone without mentioning Charles Xavier that they did it here and everything that comes with that. Like you said, it was a missed opportunity to not do the, the riff, but it might've been more dependent on would the scene work as we shot it as opposed to, okay, we really want to have this piece of musical accompaniment no matter what. Um, I think, too, there is the PR potential as you roll out X-Men. Um, and, and not to get too far far away from this film, but I think that, you know, things like the search for the next James Bond, I think that Disney could cook that up with the search for the next Wolverine and that sort of thing. Um, and, and the X-Factor, no pun intended, is just to take your time with all of that to make sure it's done right and also that it feels like this genuine, you know, there they were. Like, you know, I think of when they when they introduced, say, Chadwick Boseman and so forth in a special fan-made thing at, a, at that 
downtown theater in Hollywood and so on and so forth. But there's tons of potential where this movie, troubled as its production may have been, you know, might also be at the at the crossroads of the next great chapter in the MCU. Where did the other quantum band, the other bangle go? Kamala uses it to help repair the rift, but then we don't see it again. Uh, maybe is that evidence of story stuff? Like when, when I saw your, when I saw that point, that question on the, on the notes that we're working off of, I was like, wait, she got both bangles and then did a thing with it. So is it possible that the story in its iterations that the story simply lost track of it. And the next time we see Ms. Marvel, she's got two bangles away. We go. She was wearing just one in the final scene. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I, I I'm semi seriously proposing that just because she ended with only the one, because maybe the original ending, she only had the one that maybe the next time we see her, she just has two and references never made again. That kind of thing where it's just like, Oh Yeah. You, the audience, got it wrong, despite cinematic proof otherwise. Well, let's talk about some references we never thought would be made again. Um, first, we have Emperor Drogue here of the Skrulls, uh, who was mentioned in Secret Invasion, and we made point of that when that happened. Um, and not just us, a lot of people discussed, like, hey... You have this refugee problem on Earth. You got a million Skrull who are walking amongst us. Why don't you, you know, have the Asgardians help them out? I guess we know why that didn't happen now in Secret Invasion. Yeah, and I think that we're we're once again bumping up these larger issues of, like, the Drogue mention shows the connectivity but then because you had to save that for a later movie, you couldn't deal with it in Secret Invasion, despite the fact that, like, it seemed like a good story solution. And part of this part of this larger issue in recent years of how is the story, how is the story of the MCU being managed and, and quarterbacked and, and so forth, you know, it, I think it ties back to that. We have Valkyrie appearing here, and she makes reference to unintentional team-ups in what can be perceived, Matt, as, hey, you know that uh, Thor Love and Thunder movie? Yeah, they're not all winners. Again, too, and I don't mean to hit this point overly you know look she's making a thor reference but that wasn't that did okay box office that did fine box office but wasn't super well received so have we rewritten the line to deprioritize the connection like it's kind of more questions and answers or are we going to say in three years like oh look because she showed up at the end of this show or that movie you know after the marvels now it makes more sense um i guess time will tell so Darben wields what is called out as the universal weapon, this the same device that uh, the Kree have used before in Guardians of the Galaxy. Ronan the Accuser, who also 
popped up in the Captain Marvel uh, prequel uh, story here, um, but now gets its official name called out uh, and really on the level of like a Molnir. Look, I think it's clear that the Kree needs some help with branding. Universal Weapon, it tells me what it does, but it doesn't tell me why I need it. Um, so, it, we look, they're a rather somber people. They just need... They just got to run it through an ad agency, man. Talk to Tony Stark's people. <laughs> They'll give a great a great weapon, you know, the Rodatron, something like that that's got a little... You know, that's got a little, little sexiness to it. Well, on branding, Matt, throughout the film, they try to get Monica Rambeau a superhero name. We've got Captain Marvel. We got Ms. Marvel. Professor Marvel repeatedly brought up doesn't take the comic universe monikers of both Pulsar and Spectrum mentioned. Uh, they don't use Photon, her mother's. Uh, call sign which she's gone by as well probably going to be where it winds up but so often they're just known too by what their character's name is and she's captain monica rambo yeah i i would bet that she was named in a filmed version of this movie and that it just got i mean look we're Generally, when, when when does one do reshoots? At what point in the story? Generally, it's to better conclude the ending, and at various points when when things are unclear, you have an exposition scene of which we have a couple, I and mean, of which we do in movies that are perfectly scripted as well, where people say we're going to move the X to the Y, and we have to go through the Z, and so forth. So, uh, I'm assuming that there's a photon line out there that just didn't quite make it because the costumes changed or because the person who says it is now dead or is now alive or whatever it might be. Um, but come on, they were say you know, they, they did that, 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 and then didn't give us photon. Like it's there <laughs> and, and it's unresolved. Also alluded to, but did not give us the uh, wife of Amir Khan, the daughter-in-law of the Khans, Taisha, from Ms. Marvel, just off screen on the other end of a cell phone. And I feel like, I don't know why. I don't know why you don't add that little bit. It's authentic to the moment when he's on the phone with her. If you're um, going to toss 200 mil, man, yeah. not only can't you get her, oh, look, she's on the other end there, okay? But Bruno and Nakia from Ms. Marvel, the co-stars of the show, don't make the cut? And uh, again, I don't mean to, to be repeating myself, were they originally in it and got edited out because the show was not as big a hit, or... Did nobody say, you know, fine, the show wasn't a huge hit, but people are going to go back. So let's go back and like post seed these things. So people go, hey, it's the friend and the other friend and the, the, the daughter-in-law. Like it, it can work both ways. And from what we got in this film, we got neither. Now, again, why might it be? It might be because somebody said this, this movie needs to cook and we need to start taking out anything that slows it down and maybe pete there's a there's, there's a version of this film where we get taisha khan and that's just 
slows down that conversation enough where somebody who was tasked with, we got to cut six minutes out of this and make sure every scene goes boom, boom, boom. Maybe that's where these characters went. I would be interested to hear about it. Do I think people who want to work for Disney again are going to sit and go on, you know, oh yeah, here's my pictures from the five days I was on set and they cut all the scenes. That really stinks. Boo Disney. Of course, they're not going to say that. They're going to keep their mouths shut, but it just, it makes me wonder. It makes me, makes me wonder. And then we end up the body of the main narrative in Louisiana. The cons uh, moving in, having had their home thrashed, into uh the rambo home um nice moment between uh carol danvers and kamala in the airplane there um but uh that captain america has family in louisiana too and what with kamala's team up plans that could certainly be convenient yeah i I don't fully understand the character mode. Like, I don't quite follow the arc. I don't follow the real world arc of the cons have their home destroyed. And uh, can I just, I, I'll just assume that there's not like insurance isn't going to help you out or whatever. Okay, fine. So, like, Captain Marvel's friend's daughter's house is now going to have the deed transferred to Captain Marvel's friend's daughter's co-team up parents it's a little kind of tic-tac-toe maybe that's because they're trying to stretch it to get them into certainly into more of the uh, the captain marvel end of things captain america perhaps as well um but it was a little i had a little bit of trouble following it i, I also think too is my recollection that like the last scene in the narrative of this film separate from the post-credit scenes it it is Ms. Marvel and Captain Marvel in the plane. Because I remember feeling like, oh, it just all of a sudden ends. Um, like, oh, cut to credits. That, and then um, we go to Kamala and Kate Bishop. Which I, which is a perfectly fine post credit scene kind of feeling, but not kind of the end of the movie. It's the beginning of the, of the next story. So again, there's, there's a, there's a weird ending here, but, Sure, let's bring on the connections. That's that's Marvel's bread and butter. Transmissions. Let's check the wire. We start with Twitter, Pete, where, you know, we did not run a poll, because not for nothing, people are just going to... The, the wrong sorts of folks are going to go after hashtag the Marvels and downvote stuff. We are going to let our, our folks share their words. First one up, James the Sagacious, Big Killing on Twitter... It was, at the very least, a solid B+. The toxicity is real. Strong, quirky, funny, flawed women that support and trust each other to fight a planet-level female threat. Uh, pretty obvious what the gripes are about. Better than many of the MCU offerings to date. My only nitpick is that you need to watch everything to make uh, everything they make for these to pay off, and I don't think the studio is honest about that. If you didn't see Ms. Marvel and WandaVision, this probably fell short, but why wouldn't a so-called fan watch those offerings? And I think that's a very real phenomenon that James is mentioning, but it works without watching them. And like I said, now you can go to them if you so choose. I, the bigger this gets, Matt, 
this was what movie 33 right what is the expectation that people have seen all of those and now for you know two and a half years have had all these tv shows wandavision falcon and the winter soldier loki two seasons worth of that on and on and on um it's the law of diminishing returns so much so that echo which will come out in january all at once is going to be the first under this marvel spotlight brand which was something that was done in the comics that they're now going to do that oh is not super tethered to the rest of it despite the fact that it'll have you know vincent d'onofrio wilson fisk kingpin and uh if you watch the trailer you very clearly see matt murdoch daredevil um so it's we've been saying it for 10 years matt hashtag it's all connected it, it's still connected but I think you choose the level of connectivity that you want to have for it. I think too, you know, one version of how does Marvel reset is, you know, and then Kang wipes everybody out and there's no movies for two years. And then, you know, a Jonas brother now plays Tony Stark or something like that. Another option is, you know, you sit and go, Here's the really important thing you need to see in the next calendar year from Marvel. You need to see, you know, the X-Men movie, and then you need to see the spin-off series, The Academy, on Disney+, Plus, in which uh, the, the latest class of mutants are there. And look, you get to have some Cyclops and some this and some, you know, and, and, and so forth. You know, there's a way where they can, not to use the Loki terminology, but they can close the aperture on all this pretty easily while keeping everything that's there to remain there and so forth. So a Pete remaining on our Twitter feed is pumpkin spice has no pumpkin. That's at Casey L Y L E one who says of the film, I loved it. I don't get the hate, great fun action scenes, great performances by the leads and the mid credit scene. What's not to like. This is echoed by JT Adkins. JTA is me. Love this movie. I hope word of mouth can overcome the ridiculous negativity that exists about it. This movie has all the things. Action, heart, nice character moments. It's a lot of fun. Um, that word fun echoed by our former captain, now Major Noel Gardner at Noel Camille. It was so much fun. The dynamic between Carol, Monica, and Kamala was great. Was I the only one that thought the villain got her plan from watching Spaceballs? Yes, Noel. And I almost said that to Pete in the theater. Maybe that's I don't know whether that makes the baddie a genius or the script thumbs down, but you know, thank goodness we were able to turn that portal from blow to suck mode. Uh, but to finish up Noel's words here, the best part was the Flurkin Kitty Army. They were adorable and had a purpose. Yes. Uh, we hear from Michael Henson, a Star Wars story that's at Chasing Bristol. Loved it. Kamala Khan is a delight. Uh, Court, that's at Jen Deve, D-E-V-E, says, can't wait to listen. I loved it. Had a lot of fun with it. Again, Pete, love and fun, love and fun referenced over and over here. David Siller, at Siller David Poet. Oh, woman, the Marvels was such a blast. I see what he did there. Well done. Uh, it hit the ground running and didn't let up until the end. Filled with action, heart, and humor, and lots of laughs. It was like reading a Captain Marvel comic. Uh, I've seen it twice already, and I plan an IMAX screening soon. This is what the MCU is all about. I've seen a lot of views out of people. And I've seen 
uh, a lot of filled IMAX theaters. So, you know, like the the one respondent had said before, you know, maybe there is some hope of of some legs to this. At Amerowitch says best use of an Andrew Lloyd Webber song. Yes. Um, and then Sandra Resednis says it was a fun movie. It was almost like a dream Kamala had. Love how that is worded there. Pete, what do you have on your end? So uh, I had run uh, looking for some feedback a, a couple of places on Twitter, on Blue Sky, on Threads. Uh, to my Twitter feed, Bike BRH, uh, that's at Bike BRH, replied, I think anybody who watches it with an open mind will really enjoy it. It suffers from a villain problem like many Marvel movies, but I would put it above three of the Thor movies, two of the Ant-Mans, Matt's favorite, I'm ad-libbing there, The Eternals, and Iron Man 2, at the very least, Iman Vellani was great. Uh, Lori Layla Goshert, that's at LZ Goshert, uh, replied, we saw it yesterday, loved it. Um, we have uh, uh, at Diary Unpressed. I can't read the actual screen name for fear of us losing our... Um, apple uh rating here uh but you can check that out if you find at diary unpressed says i'm gearing up for round two in an hour i absolutely loved it many uh exclamation points it's the most fun superhero movie i've seen this year and the second best theater experience i've had as well um steve the burge uh at steve the burge uh, says this made it fun to go to the movies again it doesn't need to be high cinema but it was great i feel badly for those not quote caught up unquote with miss marvel but they will enjoy her origin story if they go back now and the ending both fun and a push slash nudge toward the future uh andre yeager at Dr. Polo 1983 simply replied my reaction with Kamala on her uh, bed looking at her phone and uh, uh, exclaiming at sweet tweet that's tweet uh, with two T's dude replied Loki should have been a movie while Marvel's should have been a series hashtag switch places and a chicago med gif with uh narco sleepy saying they switched places uh aka frank castle that's at uh dj underscore uh b l a k 357 uh gave us the old uh robert uh redford close in from uh Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And then someone called Alpha Flight Fandom had to be the turd in the punch bowl. He gave us the elderly Steve Rogers. No, no, I don't think I will. So uh, thanks for representing uh, next to nobody uh, with the negative opinion there, pal. Pete, I guess, I guess, I don't know. Can't, can't make everybody happy, but uh, take us over to Threads. 
On Threads, Matt Kojo Douglas replied simply, fantastic film, perfect in every way. There you go. Again, the the I think you can see areas where the movie is not perfect, but you can also perfectly enjoy this movie at the same time. Uh, Mike Schaefe uh, replied, it was okay. Could have been a little longer. Actors' strike may have affected box office. That's a fair observation, for sure. Yeah, and let's not forget that even if they did dream up, even if they saw a story issue before the writer's strike was done, they couldn't write the new ending. And once it was, once the writer's strike was resolved, you couldn't even get people in there to, like, re-record a line. So, there's that, too. Maybe this, maybe this movie was you know, f- five minutes of, of re-recording lines away from going from, you know, great to cinematic masterpiece, but they just didn't have the people to do it. Over to Blue Sky, Matt, where Jack NYC replied, just watch the Marvels. I like the movie, but it feels like Ant-Man 2, where it is a lot smaller in scope. Darben is not fully developed as a villain. She isn't very powerful, but the Marvels still had trouble defeating her multiple times in the movie. Given that Captain Marvel went through the same training as Darben before she got her powers, it should have been a cakewalk. But I guess the power entanglement made it difficult, although they showed a whimsical training montage implying that they should be effective as a team. Nick Fury was really irrelevant in this movie other than to help connect Monica with Carol in the first act. The cat sequence was mildly funny, but went over the top. Two questions remain. Why didn't Talos and the other Skrulls leave Earth for Tarnax? And what happened to Kamala's other bangle? I will politely disagree with his first two takes there. However, I will say... Jack, you explain them well, and I think it's a valid source of uh, intellectual criticism and discussion, so I very much thank that. Uh, as for the bangle, I'm, I'm genuinely standing by what I said, that yes, they lose the bangle, and I am, I'm also standing by, and if it just shows up again on her arm, they're going to go, oh, I don't know, oops-a-doodle. Um, as for why why Talos didn't go to to Tarnax I think it's it there is your sin of the story there is the fact that things are so spread out that maybe the the one production did not know about the other and vice versa to Facebook Matt where Jamie Payton replied I've honestly barely kept up with Marvel of late so just going into this one and having a good time was nice I'm sure if you think too hard about the plot, it's not amazing, but it was fun. I had fun. There's that F word again, Matt. And I'm actually kind of excited for what's next with that ending. Plus, I love the parents and also cats. (laughs) It is an interesting criticism. Is the MCU too big? to manage now uh something i think we can we can pull into our discussion regarding uh the state of the mcu but if you've lost jamie not because jamie is uh, that's it i'm not you get rid of robert Downey jr i'm gone or not because i didn't like this or you know 
Jamie, who's a who's an enthusiastic person and busy in life, Who and, writes and... about TV on her blog. Yeah. Okay. Watching the wasteland. All right. It might be endemic of a of a larger problem. I would tend to agree with you, Matt. Kyle Roweth uh, replies, I give it eight out of ten. It's a good movie, but it's no Infinity War. To which Mark A. Schmidt replied, uh, well, comparing a middle uh, movie to the penultimate movie of a 10-year building project isn't exactly reasonable. This would compare to something in Phase 2, not the capstone movies in Phase 3. People are acting like Iron Man 2 slash 3 and Thor 2 never happened. Uh, and of all the posts here, Matt, that had the most likes, uh, this a post with 25 likes and 17 comments. So quite a bit of activity here to go along. Uh, Mike Sorensen uh, replied, I got some of the criticism, some, but not most. There's some disjointed stuff in it, but if you don't go into it looking for threads to pull on and just let yourself have fun watching a movie, it absolutely meets that goal. Bob Keeley replied, I really enjoyed it. My Marvel fatigue went right out the window with the way the characters interacted. Gretchen Peth uh, says, uh, I quite enjoyed it. Tara James uh, just took my son to see it a few minutes ago. I loved most of it. I love the chemistry between the leads, which is why I was disappointed by the ending. Well, disappointed and intrigued if you can be both at the same time. Sometimes it was so silly it brought me out of the movie. There were brief moments that I thought were just stupid. But overall, I liked it and love the idea of these great characters working together. James Bruckner uh, saw it on Friday, definitely an eight and a half out of 10 told my friends I'll have zero issues seeing it again with them. Kevin Lyle loved it. Fun, great action sequences. Uh, the leads were fantastic. If you hate fun, go see Priscilla instead. <laughs> wow. Wow. The, <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that we would be that we would be taking pot shots at Priscilla, the female-led, female-directed movie. But, but here we are, Pete. It just happened. There you go. Uh, Nicholas B. Kleinhaus loved it unabashedly. Uh, Eddie Ginsberg, fabulous movie. The reason I liked MCU movies in the beginning, fun like the early Ant-Man, Spidey, and Guardian movies, not dour, like The Eternals, or all caps, Quantumania. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, James Killen, I enjoyed it. Seeing Kamala's family hang with fury was delightful. The chemistry was fan-ph uh, marvelous. The cameo was a great surprise. If you don't like seeing women thrive, this may not be for you. Double Dutch is lit. And Matt, the return, okay, of the grand dom of the MCU. We're talking about Mary Kirk. Who are you seated, Matt? I'm seated. Still has not watched season two of her beloved Loki. Okay. Something that I was aghast at 
she replied and she was hosting a big gathering coming in from out of town, a screening to go see the marbles. She replied simply, I was so relieved that it was absolutely delightful. Well, look, when you get Mary Kirk, you got, you got everybody else. She, she has a pulse on things, a read on things. Uh, clearly there is enthusiasm for this movie. Some of the comments, it does occur to me, you know, in life, the more serious things tend to be more dour and the more, uh, or, or the less important things tend to be more silly. And that is reflected oftentimes in movies. Um, but I think that by design or by accident, um, the recent run of Marvel movies in terms of, you know, the end of the Thor journey, though that had some funny moments, kind of the, the end of the Thor journey, uh, the, the necessary and heartbreakingly beautiful, uh, sadness in Wakanda forever. Um, some of the issues explored in the third Ant-Man movie where you need to balance a whole bunch of things, including having the older people and the newer people and launching the next generation, all of this. You know, you watch the Marvels and you say, these are characters, box office notwithstanding, these are characters that can go on for the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years with the same actors and on future adventures. And there's just a lightness and there's a freedom that they don't need to kind of capture the zeitgeist in, in, in a larger sense. That they can just go out and be a fun comic book movie where, surprise, surprise, the heroes work together in the end to defeat the villain. If Marvel is smart, they're going to find a way to take these comments that people, I mean, this is three movies worth of feedback that we've been given for this one movie. Okay. And to somehow elevate these fans and to excite people that might be on the fence about going to see this in a movie theater. Or my pet theory, you want to have that, that sizzle reel of, you know, so-and-so says this and maybe that's for the disney plus premiere you know it's a second a second bite at the apple regardless uh pete it has been wonderful taking this you know 90 plus minute journey to reflect on the uh the the joyousness that is the marvels and of course this journey made possible by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek not only in this reality but also the one with uh, the x-men everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive content all sorts of levels to choose from free right now closing in a couple days matt we are still soliciting people's input from how you would like to intake echo do you want this all one podcast episode all the episodes do you want us to give you a couple a week there's several options there for you to vote on free for all maybe you see something else you like takes just a dollar a month to get you fully behind that door you place the value on the content can't contribute right now get yourself over to apple Podcasts. leave us a rating a review to any of our 34 soon to be 35 with echo 36 with skeleton crew podcast feeds and pete let's keep the conversation going whether it's marvel whether it's star wars whether it's star trek whether it's who knows pete maybe they heard us texting back and forth with some 
some other ideas for some some holes in the schedule between now and echo and so forth uh keep that pop culture conversation going and pete how can people be in touch with you you can find me on twitter on threads on blue sky at peter p-i-e t-e-r-j-k-l-r-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 12,600 followers can't be wrong and while i'm personally on twitter is looking back lost do be in touch with the podcast comment on fantasticgeek.com check us out on twitter instagram gmail and threads where we are fantastic geek as well but wait Pete, there's more facebook.com slash fantastic geek all one word with the p and the h like it today pete looking forward this upcoming marvel studios saturday to wrap season two of loki and then on sunday we will be talking the state of the mcu looking forward to those discussions as well as in the coming days revealing some of the things that we'll be talking about hither and yon between now and the return of echo also i'll just put out there in the universe you know anybody like star wars or star trek wants to announce you know the next show and its release date and help out the podcast world that'd be nice too but for now pete (laughs) i will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word can't stand tall without standing alone The number one family musical in America. Cats. The world's most thrilling theatrical event. Cats. The magic, the mystery, the memory will live forever. Cats. The seven-time Tony Award winner. The once-in-a-lifetime experience. The most exciting family musical. In a word, Cats. At the Winter Garden Theater. Call Telecharts 212-239-6200.